I uh, hope you're giving some grace today. I, I left my house uh, in San Angelo, West Texas, and um, left a, a couple days ago. I guess it was Thursday, or excuse me, Friday. Anyway, it's all a blur, right? It's 2020. It's COVID-20. Um, and so left the house Friday, and like, I don't know, we were probably 30 minutes away passing through one of the small towns, and I looked at my wife. I said, did you pack my iPad? <laughs> and uh, Which is normally what I preach on. And of course, it's my iPad. I knew the answer to the question. It was not on her but just in case. And uh, of course, um, the iPad was not packed, so I'm using my phone today. So just uh, hopefully you'll give me some grace on that. But um, we're in this series uh, called Carpos. Again, uh, we hit it before. It's just simply the Greek word for fruit. There is nothing deep or theological about the word. It is just a word that I think sounds cool. I like the word carpos. And, uh, and um, we got these, I don't know if you've seen these yet. I figured I was like, I'll, I'll preach in the Carpos t-shirt today uh, with our word search uh, on the back. And so, uh, fun t-shirt. And, you know, I love this series because I had to wrestle a little bit with the series. Being part of the preaching team, teaching team uh, here at the Life Church and back and forth between the two campuses and San Angelo campus and Arlington campus. And, and even Pastor Walt had me hit the online campus the other day. And... Um, you know, and, and, and I've said this last time, uh, I've kind of just, in the past, I've just really kind of skimmed this list. Like, it was a grocery list of fruits. Like, I didn't really process deeply to this level of these fruits, and I, I've loved this. And, and even, and then, of course, you get into a couple of fruits, and you're like, last week we hit on kindness, right? And, and anybody feel challenged by kindness this week and walking that out from last Sunday, walking in kindness? And then this week we had goodness, but it's like, what is the difference between the two? I'd actually, in San Angelo campus at our office, I bought breakfast burritos uh, for a bunch of the staff and took them to the office. And Casey, our worship leader in San Angelo, uh, we're sitting there during a later meeting. And he's like, oh, man, he's like, thanks for bringing breakfast. That was so kind of you. And he's like, wait, is that kind or is that good? Like, what's the difference? And so, like, in the moment, I just had this thought. And there's going to be several different thoughts around the word goodness. But, but let me share this thought. Here's, here is how I responded to Casey in the moment. Is I said, uh, I fed the staff who were not hungry. Not hungry in the sense of they could feed themselves. Yeah, they can take care of themselves. We pay them. Uh, they don't work for free. And so we take care of them. And uh, so I fed the staff who weren't hungry. That is kind. I said, but if I feed the homeless who is hungry then that is good. You see, there's, there is a different level, a different a shift that takes place with goodness. And let's just look at our, our takeoff scripture for the series before we go any further. And in Galatians chapter 5, where we find the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there is no law against these things. That's right, we're only halfway through. We're getting there, finishing out the month strong as we continue uh, on these fruits that I think are vital and critical uh, to the church, the capital C church in this time. And so, goodness. Here's a couple of definitions to consider. Goodness, generous actions of justice, generous actions of justice, working for the benefit of others, working for the benefit of others. I had to think about there's there's a counterfeit to goodness that, that I don't I don't want to I don't want to dig too deep into this concept of goodness and 
And, um, and we're going to do something. And, and let me just grab it now before I forget more. I forgot I had this bag here. And, um, but, but you don't get to see what's in the bag, by the way. Not at all. The entire service, you don't get to see what's in the bag. I'm just kidding. At some point, you'll get to see what's in the bag. And we can, we can dig in and we can get very detailed in goodness and what it is. And, and, and really, I, I want to share a story with you today. But before, but let me hit on this counterfeit, this counterfeit being polite. I mean, as Texans, I don't know about you, but I, I'm pretty proud of my state. And as a Texan, like, this is something we're good at. We know about being polite. We know about holding doors. We know about um, just all of the different mannerisms that go with being a Texan. Some of you, I know you might be from another state. It's okay. We'll adopt you. We'll, we'll get you trained up in the Texan way, and, and we'll make you one of us. I know. I, I wouldn't say that probably about any other state, but like, but it's Texas. We know about this being polite, but we've got to be careful because sometimes we can, kind of like last week I hit on in San Angelo with kindness, that being nice can be a counterfeit for kindness. And we can mistake that aspect of, oh, we're just being nice. We are accomplishing kindness because we're being nice. And in the same way, being polite is a way to counterfeit goodness. And I like C.S. Lewis and others, they they teach this, this idea that the triumph of evil depends entirely on disguise. Our egos must see it as some form of goodness and virtue so that we can buy into it. How about you, but it's really easy in culture to buy into good ideas. Now, maybe something that's even good for me that may not be good for my neighbor. And we buy into these concepts. And so um, we do need to be mindful of these counterfeits. And the story that stood out to me is in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to go through this whole story. So it's going to be a lot of scripture today. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, we have a... uh, an expert of the law says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? I like this, first of all, because, like, let's just be real. I, I like how clear it is that he stood up to test Jesus. Of course he's testing Jesus. Just because he's asking a question doesn't mean he's looking for an answer. <laughs> right? He's a lawyer. So I don't know about you, but most lawyers that I've ever met, like, they have an opinion, right? So did this guy. He's an expert. He's got an opinion. He's coming. The the question is loaded that he's going to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Oh, I love this about Jesus. I don't know about you, but too many times I've seen in my life, especially in hindsight, never in the moment, but always in hindsight, I've seen those moments where I've tried to test God, test Jesus, and what I thought or what I believed or, or what, what, what was maybe like what I was seeing in the world. And I love how Jesus doesn't, doesn't correct the man. Like Jesus entertains our questions. Man, that's a good God to, 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 to listen. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God. Thank goodness he didn't quote over 600 laws. Like thanks goodness he, like, he had the sense um, that, that we just get it boiled down. But you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Let's also be mindful that the lawyer is not asking about eternal life. He's not asking about post-mortem, after death, what's going to take place, where am I going to spend eternity in that kind of way. 
That's not the Jewish belief in this moment and what he's looking for. And so when Jesus says, Jesus says do this and you will live, because he's looking for the, the bigger life right here, right now, when the man asks about eternal life. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. I, I love that Luke, Luke has an insight into what is taking place here. It's not just surface level that we can see what's actually going on and, and says justify his actions. So we ask Jesus, and who is my neighbor? How often do we want to justify our actions? Or maybe, and here's what I wrote in my notes for me, my inactions. You see, goodness requires action. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is producing fruit, but the, the apple tree doesn't eat of its own apple. The apple tree is producing a fruit or whatever vine or tree or whatever, it's producing a fruit for the purpose of someone else consuming this fruit. So there's an embodiment that must take place in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. But goodness is not being produced for our goodness. It's being produced for the goodness of others, for the purpose of others, for the consumption of others, for the, the sight of others, for the feeding of others. That requires action. Now, how many times have we been in this place of inaction, of sitting back, of apathy and, 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 and waiting and, and patience to the point of procrastination? That's me, by the way, spending some time with my mom this weekend, and, and she was asking, we're talking about this procrastinating, and like, yeah, yeah, so my mom's a procrastinator, and I'm a procrastinator, and put it off, and right, and that's, there's always time, there's still time to get it done, still time to do this. It's kind of an attitude I took one time. I felt like God really impressed on my heart to, to do something. And, and I, was, I was to put together something that I ended up giving a name called a heart lunch. As many years ago, as a youth pastor here at the Life Church at the time, and, uh, and I had this idea. And I was going to put together these heart lunches, and I was basically going to gather up non-perishable food items. So I put them in a bag and seal it up, and it'd be a bottle of water and, and um, you know, whatever, like, kind of canned meat or protein item and, and um, a fruit and keep it soft, you know, it, so it's bananas and oranges, but not apples, you know, this, or this is for the purpose of the homeless and, and like, peanut butter crackers and fruit cups and, and make sure you got to have the spoon and all these different, all these different items, and we, um, I would put them in a bag and, 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 and then have this bag in a car to where you'd be able to have this to give out to someone in need. Maybe you've heard of something like this, and maybe you've seen something like this as many years ago when I felt this. And, and I had to wrestle a little bit, because wait a second, it's almost like the lawyer saying, but, but who is my neighbor? Like, you're asking me to do what? Like, to, to stretch in what way? To do what new thing? And, and there's a little bit of a, a struggle in what I was supposed to do. And I felt this. Let's look at Jesus' response to the man. Luke chapter 10 still. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 the whole time, but in verse 30 now. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. 
I was remember, remembering a story where we had, um, uh, being from West Texas, um, we got these special roads out in the country. Maybe you're familiar, maybe you're not familiar. Um, but we had, a, we, had, we had someone from the city come and, uh, to West Texas, and he was given directions to turn at the Cleachy Road. So the man, he drives out the highway, and he's looking for Cleachy Road. You see, in, t- in Texas, we call Cleachy Road. Cleachy is like the material that you make the road out of. It doesn't have a name. It's the Cleachy Road. You know, it's the one past two cactuses before the next sign. Like, you know what I mean? It's like country kind of thing. And like, I, was, I was just imagining Cleachy Road, you know, he passed to the other side. This is not the highway. <laughs> this is not this road out here even five lanes wide. Like, I imagine us West Texan, like, country Cleachy Road where it's like, one car wide, just barely. Maybe you squeeze two, but someone's going in the ditch a little bit, right? And yet he passed to the other side. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by the other side. See here, God had impressed on me this idea about a heart lunch for the homeless. Who are the homeless, and, and, and what is my... What is my mindset about the homeless and their situation and, and their, 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 their worthiness and, and deserving of this idea? Was I, was I wrestling with my judgments? Was I wrestling with my procrastination? Was I wrestling with my faith in God? Was I wrestling with whether he actually told me to do this? Have you ever wrestled with something that you felt like you were supposed to do? You weren't quite sure. Maybe you weren't sure, was that really God? Was I really called to do this? Was I really called to step out? And I remember the day, just kind of whatever. And I remember the day that I'm in San Angelo, and I'd been told by God to create this. And I remember the moments when I pulled up, and there's the loop. And I'm under, over, under the, 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 I'm under the overpass and waiting to turn left. And there's a man. And he's begging there in the median in the space with his sign. And I'm sitting there. And I'm in my old Honda. doesn't have AC. So I just, my, my AC is the windows down. So the windows are always down. And like it's an old, like I don't even lock the Honda. I don't roll the windows up for nothing. And, and like, and, I, and I'm there. So my window's down. And, I, and I'm there. And, and literally... Right outside my window is a man asking for help. He's asking for a help that I didn't provide. He's asking for a help that I was disobedient in. He's asking for help that I sat in my inaction because I didn't have what God had provided and told me to do. And my heart just broke as I sat there in the face of this man that God had instructed me to do something for. Because I didn't, I didn't pay attention to who was my neighbor. I didn't pay attention in this situation. You know, technically the religious leader, he had every right to move to the other side, especially if the guy was dead. He's going to stay clean, yes? It was, it was the polite thing to do to go to the other side. But was it the good thing to do? So there's a difference between the right thing or the acceptable thing or the polite thing and the good thing. I don't know about you, but I want to know this difference in today's society, especially the difference between what's acceptable and what's good. Because I want to be on the side of God in this place of what is good. 
I put in my notes, goodness over greatness. So as Jesus is even interacting with this lawyer, this lawyer understood greatness, but this lawyer was missing something about goodness. And they're not the same thing. I was disobedient. Luke goes on to tell us in, back in chapter 10 and verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Thankfully, in that moment, after I reconciled myself with God, after I apologized, after I asked for forgiveness, and in that moment, I came back to this heart lunch idea. And we started putting together heart lunches. We started buying supplies. We started putting it together. And again, it's those non-perishable food items because the idea is at any moment you could have this, this bag in your car. It wouldn't expire. It wouldn't go bad sitting in your car. Even in the Texas heat, it might get a little weird, but, like, it's still going to be okay. Like, I don't know about that fruit cup gel. It might congeal, but it could, it's still going to be okay. It's still edible. Um, you just you bless it first. Just bless it first. You know what I mean? And uh, West Texas heat. And in Arlington heat. And, um, and, and like you'd have it in your car. And so at any moment you would be able to have this. And, and all of a sudden we started engaging. And I really don't even remember the details. But I just remember this exploding. Here I was this youth pastor. And like, and I shared this idea. And, and like, so then moved from just me and my family to, to the, the whole youth group. And I've got all these teenagers engaging and getting involved. And we started taking bags. And we'd put them in paper bags at the time. And so, like, uh, like, every Wednesday before service, we'd have the teenagers, we'd have, like, all these markers and all these lunch bags, and, like, they'd be writing messages on these lunch bags, and I would, I would tell them, and, and let, me, let, me, let me pause for a moment and say that I'm not telling you you got to do heart lunches, but I'm, I'm trying to give you some insight into something that we've done and are doing and, and have done, and, 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 and it's evolved, and I'll get into that in a moment, and I'll show you what's in this bag, I promise, and, um, and but, like, it's it's this um, it's this thing of like maybe maybe this would help inspire you on what God's speaking to you. Maybe God has spoken something to you and you've held off and you haven't engaged in it yet. And 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 so I'm just sharing some ideas and where we've been and what we've done. And so these teenagers and they would come together. And I would tell them, like imagine that it's your grandparents that's out there begging. Imagine. It's a relative, and, and the, the only thing you have to give them is this bag. You can't even say anything to them. What would you say on this bag? What picture would you draw on this bag? What message of hope would you write on this bag? What scripture would you share on this bag? And these teenagers, they would love it, and they would come together, and it was just so exciting to see them just just decorating bag after bag after bag, and we're making our, our big box store runs of big supplies and filling them up, and, 
teenagers are taking them in their cars, and, and I got parents who aren't in the church, but their kids are, and now the teenagers taking heart lunch sacks and putting them in their parents' car and having to explain to their mom and having to explain to their dad why they have this bag in their car. And then when they pull over and be at the stoplight and there's someone begging, there's someone asking, like to then reach out and immediately be supplied with something. I mean, we're always supplied by the, the power of God with something to give. But to have that in that moment, even if you don't have money, we're supplying you with this. Man, it was a movement that just took off. A movement of goodness. We started getting excited. The teenagers were excited. It went to a whole nother level where we went from just hard lunches and having these bags in our cars to, to, to in these moments be able to take care of a need. Sure, their need is most likely, it, it's bigger than that situation. It's bigger than even that meal, but we can do something. And we started traveling and we'd go visit another outreach and homeless outreach and we went to one in Abilene and and we'd go and we'd learn and see what they're doing. We'd just volunteer and bless that ministry, serve in their soup kitchen and do different things. And, and we'd go back to our town and how do, we, how do we incorporate this and how do we take this to another level? We started having like all-day Saturday outreaches where we'd go out and we would have, we'd have all this food donated and we would load up over 100 sack lunches and we would go to where we knew the homeless were begging. We would go to where they knew we knew they were sleeping. We would go to where we knew they would be hanging out and walk up to them and start learning their names, start having conversation, start reaching out to them. Why? Because who is our neighbor? It was so important that in this moment that what we were doing was for somebody that was completely unlike us. You know, the, the name of the story is in itself a paradox. The Good Samaritan. I think we kind of lose that since we don't exactly have Samaritans living in Arlington. We kind of lose the impact of what Jesus is saying here by even saying that term, Good Samaritan. By, by the story continuing with the Good Samaritan. You see, at the time that this idea was even given to me, I almost feel like that was what Jesus was speaking to me. It's the good homeless. Wait, what? Yeah, the person that you don't identify with, that you think you're far from, that's the name used here. I almost feel like it should be good blank, and then in parentheses, like, we could get real edgy here and be like, the person you despise the most? The person you disagree with the most? Jesus is using a religious leader crossing the other side of the road with a lawyer, the best of the best, the most knowledgeable of the most knowledgeable. And Jesus is using this offensive term, Samaritan, the despised, the dogs, the, the I don't even see them as human, the good, I don't even see them as human. What is that? And in this moment, in this circumstance, it was the good homeless. That's what this story was about. This is who I had to reach out to. We started doing these great things, and I told you some of the things that we've put in these heart lunches. 
obviously it's not a paper bag anymore. Um, uh, my wife especially had, has had conversation and we've kind of learned through the years in this particular situation regarding homeless, kind of like what are some of your needs? Like we kind of assumed some things and try to find some good solutions based on what we understand, but what are really your needs as a homeless person? And, um, and obviously some of those needs are, are beyond just food. You know, um, sometimes showering can be challenging. So some baby wipes or cleaning wipes can be very helpful. Obviously in this day and age, even the homeless need masks to stay safe. And uh, water and things like that are always good, but so are hygiene items. And, um, oh, man, we had, we had a family in the church one time. They, had, they traveled all the time and always going places for work and fun and all this. And, and they had this huge collection of, like, soaps and shampoos and, like, all those things from the hotels. Yeah, we collected, like, a huge box of all of those. And, um, and, and it was really great. And, and um, we go to Walmart. I remember one time I went to Walmart, and, uh, and I was like, hey, it's like, so we're doing these lunches for the homeless. Um, paper bags weren't really the solution for that day. We were making, like, just for the immediate to go and give them out. And, uh, and we're like, hey, um, so do you have any plastic bags you can spare? And they, like, give us a giant box of, like, thousands of plastic bags. We're like, okay, like, you're excited about what we're doing. But isn't that the way it should work? Isn't that the way as the church when we, we say, hey, we're doing this good thing, not this polite thing, not this nice thing, but we're doing this good thing, and other people see it. And they say, whoa, 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 I want to be a part of that. Oh, here's some money. I remember we would take times, and, and so we'd run out, to like, okay, we'd have all these lunches, and we'd run out of, of the homeless in San Angelo, and, and, um, and we'd start going to neighborhoods, and uh, we'd start going door to door. We'd go to, like, the poorest neighborhood we could find, apartment complex, and, and they're not hard to spot, and we would go to the poorest community that we could find in our, in our city, and we'd just start going door to door with lunches. Like, hey, we've got some free food. Hey, can I offer you some free food? And um, become amazing, which I tell you what, you want to find a way to share the gospel? Give them something for free with no expectation. And I tell you one thing, one of the greatest things I ever learned about evangelism in this moment was, was giving something and just saying, and is there anything I can pray for you about? I remember one time we were walking, and this is when we were, we were learning, we were with this other ministry, and we are walking, and we came up on a, a group of young people in a, in a car. Um, almost one of those situations, like you open the door, and all the smoke just kind of floods out, and, and, um, and, and you know, and, and so you can use your imagination. And, uh, and so, and then they get out of this car, and, and, and I, I, was, I was with this lady, and she was kind of in charge of our group, or we're going through this neighborhood, and, uh, and she's like, hey, is there, is there anything I can pray for you about? You know, it's amazing in the situation that even, even in their, their, their shame and their disqualification and their, their, and their thoughts, that they wouldn't even ask for prayer for themselves, but I tell you, they would ask for prayer for their mom who was battling cancer. I learned in this moment how to use, how to use the gospel in a prayer. It's like they're not, they're not going to sit there and want us to share the gospel but I tell you what, but they'll, they'll ask for prayer. You know, I can work in who Jesus is into my prayer real good. I can talk about the goodness of God to give his one and only son in this moment, in this situation. And we'd have these situations. I remember one time, I just got stories today. I hope it's okay. 
remember one time we were going door to door in this, this apartment complex that we had ministered to time and time again, but now we're in the midst of the oil boom in San Angelo. And, and so the, the environment's changing, jobs are happening, and even what was a rundown apartment complex that was, that was for people that just didn't have the finances now just became desperate living for people who couldn't find a place to live because so many people were coming to our city. And like we knocked on the door and we're like, hey, we've got some free uh, lunches here that we're just giving out. We're the Life Church, blah, 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 give them the whole spill. And he's like, he's like, oh, man, he's like, I don't need any food, but, man, what you're doing is really awesome. Can I give you some money? Like, what? Like, all of a sudden we're knocking on this door and this guy's giving us $50 bill to help us buy more supplies so we can keep doing heart lunches. Man, it was like, it was such an awesome moment. You see, good people don't just do the right thing. They want to make things right. It's not just about doing the right thing. It's about making things right. And it can be real easy, even in the, even in the situation, to just, it can just be the right thing in the moment. Back in Luke chapter 10, verse 35. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. You know, Jesus leaves it at this and he doesn't. There's no more correction. There's no more story. And Jesus responds with this. Yes, now go and do the same. You notice that the man, in all his wisdom and all his knowledge and all his understanding, he still can't bring himself to the place of identifying the good Samaritan. He still can't bring himself to identifying the name of the man in the story and who he was, the good Samaritan. How often is that not maybe the people that we are called to go specifically to? What is the name of the person that's hard to identify? The people group, the, the type of person, the belief system of the person, where they land on particular issues. And yet, that's what we see here in the story. It's to put aside those things. What good is it for me to care for those or love those who also love me? I love it that the scripture it says, even the sinners do that. Oh, but to give to those who are unlike me, who think differently than me, who do things differently than me, what good is it for those? I had a friend who was, uh, he, was, he had the AC guy come over to his house and is actually a church staff person. And, and, um, and, the, and the person came over to the house and uh, the AC guy and his wife had come with him. And, uh, and he's working on the AC, getting it fixed. There's an issue. And, and, uh, and the wife's there and she's selling Cincy stuff. And, and, um, and he was kind of, you know, kind of giving the excuse. He was kind of giving a sales pitch and he was kind of giving an excuse. You know, I was like, well, let me take your catalog. My wife likes it and I'll show it to her and we'll just see what kind of happens. And and all of a sudden, in the midst while there was this downtime, and, and he was processing, all of a sudden, he felt it impressed on his heart so heavily because she had made a comment about, like, I'm this much, I'm this far from meeting, like, the next level or the, the next thing or my bonus or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, he felt it impressed on his heart. Don't just buy something from her. Get her to the next blessing. 
Get her to the next place that's going to be a blessing in her life and meet a need in her life. Get her to that place, whatever it is. And my friend, his wife gave him a hard time and said, oh, she took you. She got you good. And he's, he's talking to me about this. I shared with him. I was like, but you know what? It doesn't even matter if that even was her game and if that was her purpose. Because you didn't give to her. You gave to Jesus. You didn't give because she convinced you. You gave because Jesus convinced you. And if you give to Jesus, let me promise you nothing is ever wasted. He says, you clothed me when I was naked. You visited me when I was bound. You did these things for me. When? Because when you did it for the least of these, you did it unto me. And this is the goodness of God that we were called to. How difficult, how difficult is it? And as we close and we're about to sing another song, I wanted to just remind you that as we are called to this goodness, you might be the only Jesus that people ever see. I feel like while we did a homeless outreach for so many years and different fluctuations and different ways and different times, I feel like this is definitely the situation that I've faced in times with the people I encountered. I've been back into the woods and visited their tents. I've, I've been through the neighborhoods. I've done all these things. And the greatest thing is even in the midst of goodness, even when we do these things for other people, we still benefit. It still ends up being for us. As long as we're not the goal, we still get this benefit. Maybe, maybe this story is still a struggle. Maybe this season is still a struggle. Maybe you're in this place of trying to identify with the Good Samaritan, but you can't because you're identifying with someone else, and that's not even the Pharisee. You know, too, for too long of my life, I identified with, okay, I, first of all, I identified with the Good Samaritan. Oh, that's, that's me. That's, that's who I am. Yeah, right. Not as often as I think I am. Oh, then in the next challenge, it's, oh, I'm the Pharisee. I'm the religious leader or I'm the lawyer. And we keep identifying, keep expanding. But how often do we truly recognize that too often, maybe the person I should be identifying is with the person in the ditch. Maybe I can't bring myself to the place of the Good Samaritan because I can't bring myself out of the ditch. And in the pain and the hurt and the, 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 the offense, the, the, the struggle, the, the financial situation, the relationship situation, that I can't even identify with the Good Samaritan, what Jesus is challenging us to in this situation because I'm actually the person in the ditch and yet I'm, I'm, I'm needing help. Am I even willing to accept help? If I was in my most direst place, that's even a word that I just used, would I even be willing to, to receive help from the person I would want to keep as much distance from as possible? But goodness is not just doing the right thing, but it's the act of making things right. This is the goodness of God. And I've said this before, and, and, and maybe you've heard this, but 
one of the things I love about the fruit of the Spirit that we're continuing to see over and over as we continue to go through the fruits is the fruit of the Spirit is gone. And the fruit of the Spirit is God's response to our brokenness, to our hurt, to our pain, to our separation, to our distance. God looked down upon humankind and all of who we were, and God said, my response is my son Jesus, that I will not respond out of anger and spite. I will not respond being short-tempered. I will not respond in all of these other emotions, but I will choose to respond by sending my one and only son to live this life, to live for them, to live with them, to live among them, and then to die for them. And so when I look at this definition of goodness, that it's not only just doing the right thing, but it's making things right. How on point is that for our God, who would not just want to forgive our sins, but he said, I'm going to give you Jesus, who's going to take you beyond just forgiveness to eternal life. And not just a post-mortem eternal life after you've passed on from this earthly world, but an eternal life right here, right now. An abundant life, a giving life, a fulfilled life, a life of peace, a life of grace, a life of joy, a life of love. That eternal life that we see described in the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to give them that through my son Jesus and the power of my Holy Spirit in their lives. That's our God. Where are you here today? What is your need? Who do you identify with in this story? Can you give a proper name from Good Samaritan to good fill in the blank? Is it the religious leader? Is it the lawyer? Is it the Samaritan? Is it, is it the man in the ditch? Is it even the innkeeper that would trust the word of someone else to take on a responsibility that wasn't his to take? Who do you identify with in the story for the purpose of moving you towards goodness? Moving you towards these acts that this communicate to you? And I'm not even sure of the culture of Arlington with homelessness and, and begging and, and, and what I experienced in my hometown. Uh, it, may not, it may not translate here, but maybe there's something else in this story, something else in this bag that translates to you and your life. We're going to have a moment, and rather than lead you in a prayer, I'd like to speak this Franciscan blessing over each and every one of us. If you're here today and you need salvation, our pastors are available. If you're here today and you need healing, you need a miracle, we're here for you. But I'd rather today end with this. And after I speak this blessing, I'm gonna, we're going to sing a song. During the song is a time for us to engage even further into what God is doing in our lives, can, speaking to us, showing us, loving us. And this Franciscan blessing came across, just happened to come across my plate this week again, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. It says, may God bless you with discomfort at easy answers and half-truths. 
Let's try it again. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers and half-truths and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your hearts. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. Let's worship God if you'll stand with me.